Hello, and welcome to the Innovation Quotient, a new podcast series where we examine innovation and discuss how it can fuel future progress. I'm Andrew Staples, Editorial Director of Initiatives at Economist Impact, an arm of the Economist Group which works with organisations to further their mission. This podcast is supported by Philip Morris International as part of an Economist Impact research programme called the Innovation Quotient, which examines how innovation could be fostered so as to drive socio-economic progress around the world. In this episode, we focus on the importance of multi-stakeholder collaboration within countries in terms of enabling innovation for progress. We also have a Canadian flavour to our discussion as Canada scores highest in the index across indicators designed to capture and measure, for example, the strength, diversity and effectiveness of partnerships, local community engagement and also engagement between firms, NGOs, policymakers and regulators. To help us understand why Canada scores highly across these indicators, my guests today are Dr. Elena Turner and Dr. Claudia Kriviak. Elena is the CEO and co-founder of Helpseeker Technologies, which provides digital solutions to tackle complex social issues and harnesses tech innovation for the greater good. Claudia, President and CEO at Ontario Centre of Innovation, an NGO that serves as a collaboration platform with a broad and deep network across industry, academia and government. Alina, Claudia, welcome and thank you for joining me. Claudia, if I could just ask you to explain a little bit about who you are and the organization that you work at um, for our listeners. I'm Claudia Kriviak and I am the president and CEO of the Ontario Centre of Innovation, or OCI as we're more commonly known. At OCI, what we do is we work very closely with industry, government and the post-secondary sector to develop and deploy innovation programs that support the commercialization and the adoption of advanced technologies with the primary objective of driving economic growth and job creation. And Alina, to you as well, I wonder if you could just help the listeners understand a little bit about who you are and what you do. Sure. I'm Alina Turner. I'm the co-founder and CEO of Helpseeker Technologies. And uh, as you very nicely put it, we bring social innovation and technology innovation together to solve complex social challenges. Focused on Canada, but recently uh, made that jump into the US as well with some of our product offerings. Thank you very much. Claudia, are you surprised that Canada takes a top spot on the Index for Collaboration? And does this performance mirror your own experiences? So I would say I'm very pleasantly surprised that Canada ranks very high on collaboration. We're very good at public research and, and development. We are very good at educating our population at the post-secondary level. Our universities are extremely high quality, and we are known globally as, for example, a center of research excellence in AI, as a global center of research excellence in quantum. But there are other areas where we struggle, and, and, and one of those areas that we struggle is turning these advantages into commercial success. And so it is good to see that Canada ranks high on collaboration because collaboration is key from my perspective, especially collaboration between industry, academia, and, and government in improving Canada's performance on successful commercialization of research and translation of the IP that is developed in our post-secondary institutions and getting that IP out into the marketplace with economic benefit to Canada. And that mirrors our experience at the Ontario Centre of Innovation or, or, or OCI. Our mandate is to bring 
industry together, to bring government together, and to bring the post-secondary sector together with the objective of accelerating the commercialization and adoption of advanced technologies in Canada and in Ontario specifically where we are. There's a very robust innovation ecosystem that enables collaboration and enables very successful projects and opportunities. So just to go a little bit deeper into that, because one of the things that we want to do with this project is to identify this best practice, you know, what's working, where and why. And what would you say are some of the the key takeaways, learning points about bringing those various actors together to create this more robust ecosystem? I think there are a number of things that are very, very important. Number one, if the objective is the commercialization of new technologies, industry's voice is very important. And industry needs to be a part of um, any initiative and any equation. And there needs to be industry pull or market pull. And so it's very important that there is a platform and there is engagement with industry that enables the understanding of what the industry challenges are. What are the problems that um, specific sectors are struggling with? So that's one piece. The other piece that is really important is all the various stakeholders along the spectrum of industry, um, universities, colleges, innovation intermediaries, as well as government need to be aligned around a common goal. And in order to achieve that, often you need someone or a platform or an organization to act as a partnership enabler or a partnership coordinator. And the Ontario Centre of Innovation has played that role on a number of very um, successful initiatives that brought a very broad range of partners together and enabled not only interesting projects, but enabled outcomes that actually benefited the entire system and kind of lifted all boats. And Alina... We've been hearing from Claudia there about some of the sort of um, aspects of best practice around collaboration. So I'd like to really dig into your experience of that as an entrepreneur. Is this resonating for you? Was was it challenging to, to build your business, to bring those different actors together? What worked and, mm-hmm. and, and why? Um, absolutely resonates. I'll give you the example just to make it more real for listeners. We um, received... Um, a major R&D investment from Government of Canada to develop a social safety net um, platform that connected nonprofit NGO service providers that are delivering social supports on the ground, so frontline folks, with help seekers, hence our name, Help Seeker Technologies. So people that are looking for social supports or suffering from mental health challenges, domestic violence, homelessness, um, etc., as well as the decision makers that are developing the public policy or making the funding decisions about where the funding goes in the ecosystem. And it's a it's a trillion dollar um, exchange that happens on a yearly basis in Canada alone. It's a humongous um, number to think about how many actors are involved in that. So we were developing the platform to connect these three segments. Hasn't been done before, inherently risky, lots of unknowns. Um, The tech itself didn't exist. The ontological backbone, so the the frameworks to connect the data didn't exist themselves. So it required uh, the best in academia, the best in in the nonprofit world that are actually, you know, servicing the, the community included people with lived experience of homelessness, domestic violence. I think we we talked to over a thousand people to develop this. So it's a it's truly a collaborative effort. 
What we had, though, from the ecosystem is exactly what Claudia is talking about, is that facilitator of partnerships. And ultimately, we're, we're the ones that are responsible to bring it together, come up with a product, a productizable, commercializable thing at the end of this, not, not just concept ideas and, and academic papers, but actually something that, that we can put in market that's going to deliver on this promise. Uh, and while you're uh, you're responsible for bringing something to market that's going to be sustainable, we we don't want to bring something out that you know is going to require government subsidies for the rest of its life. So we needed that backbone support to accelerate um, the innovation to bring capital, right? So de-risk uh, the SME would never have you know the I think for us we had a five million dollar total investment from various actors from government from Canada Mortgage and Housing Corporation, uh, the digital supercluster like I mentioned before. Microsoft Corporation, we nobody would ever talk to Help Seeker if we wasn't for these intermediaries that were um, developing these relationships and maintaining these partnerships. Um, and then, of course, you have a huge amount of work to do in a very short time period. We had 18 months to develop something because the the grants themselves, the R and D projects, are time limited. Uh, that would that would I, I say would be the the great challenge for us now. It's very interesting to hear about how people-centric your initiative has been. It's one of the key findings of our research, along with the need for collaboration, that innovation for socioeconomic progress really needs to be rooted. It needs to be sort of people-centric. Um, you were talking about bringing major industry players together, government, academia, and so on. I wonder if you could give us a good example of, of that, of something that's worked well and that's something that you've been front and center in. So a great example and a very current example that OCI has played a leadership role is something called Ontario's Vehicle Innovation Network, or OVEN. So what OVEN is essentially, it, it is a collaboration platform at the convergence of Ontario's auto and technology sectors. And over the last several years, um, especially with the advent in the last couple of years of electrification, we could start to see the convergence of those two sectors. Um, we needed to have a framework to have all of those actors across those two sectors collaborate effectively. So if you look at the traditional players in the auto sector, it is the large OEMs, the large automakers. If you look at the primary stakeholders in the tech sector, lots of startups, lots of accelerators. And in between the two, you have talent. So you have the post-secondary sector, you have colleges, you have universities, you have regional capabilities around technology um, development, and layered on top of all of that, you have government and government policies, both at the federal and at the, at the provincial level. And so what OCI is doing through OVEN in partnership with the Ontario government is bringing all of that together um, in the last year and a half, there have been $27 billion in global investments in the auto sector in, um, in Ontario, Canada, and $20 billion of that is in the EV sector. And when we speak to all of these large companies that are making these investments, they actually speak to the power of the collaboration that is taking place at that convergence of the auto and tech sectors. So where small companies can partner with very large companies to develop and deploy new products, to demonstrate new technologies. There is a, a very robust talent development strategy that involves all of the post-secondary institutions um, and engages both colleges and universities 
in anticipation of the talent requirements, that $27 billion in investment in electrification in the auto sector is, is going to have. Um, there's a regional future workforce program to attract more people into the sector. Um, just to take you back with that engagement with policymakers and, uh, and regulators, and again, congratulations to Canada, which sort of comes out on the top in this area, but Canada gets um, just under 47 out of 100. So we're still a good 50 points away from the maximum possible score. So why is that? What is there still to be improved when it comes to creating that better conversational collaboration between industry and, and policymakers? And, and Alina, let me come to you first on, on that. Is there a way in which things could be more effective? I mean, we see the correlation between the higher innovation scores in high-income countries. So so there's no doubt that uh, how we fare in this score is, is going to be influenced by our uh, social and economic uh, trends. So where where Canada can absolutely do better, and I think that the paper does a, a really nice job of, of highlighting the, the good and bad of the innovation economy. So where we have more inequality, where we're planning an innovation transition, for instance, and we haven't really considered the social impact of what that does to a city. So for instance, the, um, the interesting or unfortunate correlation of homelessness numbers increasing where we have higher technology transitions, for instance, is, a, is one that we uncovered in, in our uh, work at HelpSeeker. And that tells me that there is no innovation economy without the social impact embedded in that, uh, in that thinking. So the policy work that is required there to, to have the economic policy embedded in the social policy of a country becomes really critical for me. You know, we're not going to stop this this fourth industrial revolution, but we should be doing it with the social policy and the preventative social infrastructure to ensure everybody can benefit from it. And of course, in Canada, the great challenge for us, the demographic challenges of an aging population are going to require us to continue to bring more and more diverse folks in. Yet, Canada is also one of the countries that is is well known for its um, shortfalls when it comes to uh, our treatment of Indigenous people, our, our treatment of, of newcomers, uh, systemic racism in, in long-established institutions that just that haven't been fully rooted out. Uh, and unfortunately, when you layer on this digital innovation on top of that, it, it unfortunately makes things worse, not better, unless we, we do something uh, intentional about it. Claudia, to follow up on that point around um, social inclusion, around making sure that we're by design, building in inclusivity, responsibility, innovations to reduce any negative um, outcomes or, or impacts of those innovations. When you were talking about the collaboration between various actors, including education and, and building the talent pipeline, I think that's that's one example of it. But are there other examples of sort of explicitly looking at the socioeconomic impact of the innovations that are, are being fostered across the ecosystem in which you're active? Um, EDI, equity, diversity, and, and inclusion, especially in the talent pillar, um, especially in the regional future workforce program that is a part of OVEN, um, is not only a very important consideration, but it is included by design into the program. And it is included not only because it's the right thing to do, it's also included because it is the competitive thing to do. If we want to truly unlock the full potential of our talent base, 
And so within the regional workforce program and the talent development streams under OVEN, there are pilot projects and there is programming that is specifically related to um, working with equity deserving and underrepresented groups to get them interested in and enable their participation in um, the tech sector, in the automotive sector, in EV and CAV technology development. So I can't emphasize how, how important um, that is. Excellent. Thank you. Uh, I'd like to turn our thoughts to the future now. And again, sticking with you, Claudia, because you, you were talking about that sort of development of the ecosystem and how it sort of changed and evolved uh, over the years. Um, how do you see things unfolding over the medium and, and longer term? How is Canada going to retain its top spot in the collaboration aspect? I think that the last 12 months and the next 24 months, and not just for Canada, but globally, are going to be a truly extraordinary time when it comes to new advanced technology development. So OpenAI introduced ChatGPT in September of 2022. The world looks profoundly different today than it did a mere 14 months ago. The advent of generative AI and, and AI technologies is going to accelerate technology development to rates not only that we've never seen before, but I think that will be even difficult for us to contemplate. And so that will be the challenge, developing collaborative models, developing regulatory frameworks, government and industry working together not only to capitalize on the opportunity that this new technology development represents, but also, quite frankly, to manage the disruptive change that will come with it. Alina, to you, because you're, you're in tech, you're an entrepreneur, but you're also working in this space of, sort of social innovation as well. Just thinking back on your experiences, but then looking forward as well, what's next for you? How, how, how do you sort of further the mission that you have, and particularly through these um, emerging technologies that Claudia was just yeah. referencing? Disruption that's coming has been has been happening for the last twenty years. I think we're we're maybe understanding the connection between the economic transformation and you know why is it that homelessness is increasing. I think those of us that are working on the social side have have seen the connections at least since the 70s. Um, so what's going to happen in the next 12 to 24 months? I mean, Canada's getting ready for an election next year. It's already happening. I think the social and economic uh, questions that, that we're discussing today are going to be at the forefront of progressive versus conservative uh, type of debates. I think everybody can agree, though, that a good, prosperous economy is going to be great for Canada, and the rising tide lifts all boats is still the overarching message of both parties. So I, I'm expecting that we're going to continue to see a government invest in initiatives that are going to propel this uh, type of innovation moving forward. What I think is going to be interesting for us to watch, just because we're in the, on the social side of it, is what the social policy response package is going to be to go along with that economic um, uh, foresight on the behalf of government. So what needs to happen, a, a whole slate of reform of the social safety net, like I mentioned before, trillion dollars per year. It's a trillion dollars that's going into the wrong interventions. And, and it's primarily because we grew a safety net during a third industrial revolution it's just bypassed us. And we need to be rewiring now for the, probably for the fifth industrial revolution. We should be starting today, given how long it takes us to to deal with systemic 
blockages in, in terms of our, our response. So um, I would love to see a debate on what is the future of the social safety net looks like to actually service a population that's going to double down on the innovation economy. I'm doubtful that those conversations are are happening uh, with the same fervor that uh, they are on on things like regulating AI, even though uh, that is where we should be spending our knowledge capital and our, our smartest brains for sure. Sorry, if I might, Andy, I'd like to pick up on something that Alina just just said right now. She mentioned that, you know, how long it takes governments to do these things. And that really will be a significant challenge to effective collaboration in this age of kind of accelerated technology development, because the technologies and industry are moving at such a rapid rate that um, it is very difficult for governments to never mind plan ahead, but actually catch up to where the technology and, and the development is. And that's why it is critical to both have industry and government at the table together because often it feels like just when the policy is being developed, the technology is already five, six, 50, 100 steps ahead. And um, that has tremendous repercussions, not only from an economic perspective, but as Alina pointed out, from a social perspective and from a social safety net perspective, given how much disruption that we're going to see in the coming years. Well, thank you both for all of those insights and thoughts. We'll come back and, and see where we are in a couple of years' time. And But it's been fascinating to, to, to learn from both of you at various levels and various sectors within Canada about um, you know the best practice that, that you see there and, and thoughts for the future as well. I think one of the, the guiding principles of the innovation quotient is that uh, innovation can be for socioeconomic progress, but you, you need to work at it. You need to put people at the center of it. We need to foster collaboration. It needs to be a holistic approach. And it certainly seems that there's plenty of great examples of that taking place within Canada at the moment. So thank you very much for joining us. Thank you. This was a fantastic opportunity and a very important discussion. And and And, and I really do hope that Canada continues to build capacity in the strengths that we have on the collaboration front. Absolutely. Thanks for the opportunity and uh, a great discussion. Wonderful paper and uh, learned a lot from the discussion and, and Claudia today as well. Thank you for listening to Innovation Quotient. For more information about the Innovation Quotient, please visit economistimpact.com forward slash innovation hyphen quotient.